Bonjour and bienvenue to Ludabelle's Francophiles. Je m'appelle Lou, and in this podcast, I will help you to keep your Frenchy vibes fluttering and lose yourself in France without even leaving home. In each episode, we chat about our French experiences with guests who live in Australia, in France, and right around the world, and we share ideas for how to satisfy the Francophile within you. Francophilers can now also subscribe to my YouTube channel, Francophile Fix, where I post little movies and clips to keep us all connected to France. Find the link to the Francophile Fix YouTube channel in the show notes from today's episode, as well as the Little Bells Francophiles website, Instagram, and a fabulous Friendship Spotify playlist. Alors, aujourd'hui, my guest spends much of her day helping others to live the French life. Pam Planson is the founder of Olive and Branch, which provides a fabulous opportunity for us to order French and French-inspired products right to our homes. Bienvenue to Little Bells Francophiles, Pam. Ça va? Merci, ça va bien, et vous? Oh, ça va bien aussi, merci. Now, <laughs> your business, Olive and Branch, would have you immersed in a Frenchiness all day, I imagine, and you couldn't be doing that unless you're a bit of a crazy Francophile like I am. So where did your love of France come from, Pam? Well, I, I think I've always loved France. My grandfather was from France, and I think it was always just kind of instilled in us. And, you know, like so many others, the first time I went to Paris, you know, that was it. I fell in love, and mm. um, we were lucky enough to travel a, a lot there when m my children were younger. Mm -hmm. And each time we visited, I loved it more and more and visited different regions. And, you know, it just really has a very special place in my life and my, my heart. And um, I try to go back as, as often as I can to get that French fix. Yes. Oh, it does make a difference when you can get back to France yourself and actually immerse yourself in it, doesn't it? But when you can't, having other things, yeah. little things each day to, to spark that memory, uh, that's really important too, I think. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, I have my house is filled with little French things. And, um, you know, I really started Olive and Branch because I loved all the French pottery. That was kind of really how I started that business. I I really loved the colors and the, especially the Provençal pottery. So I, I decided to bring some back and share that with my friends. And then I kind of developed a business out of it. I opened a, a small store a boutique in Massachusetts and sold a lot of French so that was really kind of how I stayed connected with France on a daily basis. And, you know, the business is now only online, but um, I still, it's all those little things that you have from your trips that you keep. And, you know, even my little bookmark that I, I use my Metro tickets as bookmarks. Just oh. A little reminder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, that's a great idea. A little Metro ticket as yeah. a bookmark. <laughs> Very cute. So... With your business, Olive and Branch, you provide beautiful French or French-inspired products, and many of them are sourced by you directly. So tell me about that. Yeah, so, um, you know, we sell a lot of Provencal items. We sell a lot of French market baskets. Mm -hmm. We sell um, Herbes de Provence and some of the Provencal linens, but we also sell products from all around France. So um, we sell pottery. Um, and we also do a lot of brocante finds. So we're doing a lot oh. of vintage people that we have sourced and um, we carry a lot of that online. Uh -huh. 
So do you deliver to Australia or is that a bit wishful thinking or is this just really for our American listeners at the moment? Yeah, most of our customers are from the United States, but um, we do ship around the world. It oh. is, we have shipped to Australia. It's more expensive, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're so, we're kind of yeah. used to that. It's a long way. It's a long way. I know. That's what I hear a lot. Yeah, mm. we're used to paying, yeah. paying a lot for shipping. So, yeah, but we, we definitely ship all around the world. So where do you find all these pieces that you sell on the website? Um, you know, when I first started my business, I would really travel the French countryside and mm. find small producers of pottery and linen and glassware, um, soaps, all of that. I would meet with them directly and import it directly. And then, you know, that was years ago. Now things are very different. Everything is available. It's quite readily available um, for us to, to search online and to have connections online. So for me, I like to go to the, the large trade shows to find new vendors. Mm-hmm. And I also shop a lot of the brocante fairs uh, throughout France throughout the year. Oh, okay. So tell me, back to a bit about you. Have you ever lived mm-hmm. in France? I haven't lived full time in France. I we owned a house in the south of France for oh. many years when our children were small. We were vacationing there a lot, and um, we decided to buy a small mosé and a two bedroom place that we could come in the summer and then kind of lock it up in the winter. Um, so we would take our two sons there each summer, and we would spend you know three months at a time. <gasps> there while they were growing up so that was just an amazing experience for them yes. you know maybe they didn't appreciate it when they were eight and ten uh-huh. <laughs> but now they look back with it you know and really understand that that was really kind of special times and um they love going back now uh, oh. so yeah so do you still have that house now we don't we sold it you know the kids had gotten older we weren't going as often um you know they had they were teenagers they wanted to kind of do their own thing and we understood that and we weren't going as often either so um yeah we sold it and but you know we're we're now back on the on the house hunt we're looking again I'm hearing it's been you. Very, mm-hmm. yeah very difficult um actually it's very much like what's happened around the world, I think, especially in the United States. A lot of people have moved out of the cities and into country homes, and the same thing kind of happened in France, where a lot of people have moved out of Paris or some of the larger cities and can work remotely, so they've moved into more remote areas, and the prices have gone up and the inventory is really low. So it's been yeah. a long, so far, a long search, but hopefully, yeah. you know, it will find the right place at the right time, so we're not too worried so are you fluent in French? No. No, okay. Yeah, and so that doesn't help either. I mean, that makes the, the search a little bit more, well, it just adds an extra level of difficulty, but, you know, there are ways around that, of course. How did you decide where you wanted to purchase that home that you had? And are you going to go to the same spot this time, do you think? Yeah, we actually, when we first purchased, you know, we really liked the south of France. We loved the weather. Most of our travel time was in the summer. So we, um, it just made sense to be someplace warmer and by the sea. And it had to fit a lot of requirements. It had to be close to a village. It had to have certain activities in the village, you know, for us. And so we really lucked out and found a place that really worked well for us and our family. And then, you know, we decided to look around France after we sold our house to see if there was another area that we wanted to explore or try. So we traveled quite a bit looking at homes and villages across France and we keep coming back to the south. So that's probably where we'll end up again. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. You travel back and forth to France a bit, as you said. 
you said your favourite place where you want to end up is in the south of France. What's your favourite place apart from there to visit when you're over there? Well, I mean, I love Paris, right? Mm. I think there's no there's no place else like Paris. I think it's one of the most beautiful cities in the world, and um, it's very special to me. And I have several friends there now that I visit when I go, so mm. um, it makes it really nice to be able to, you know, land in a in a city that you're familiar with and comfortable with, and be able to share it with your friends. So that is exactly how I feel now because I've made some friends in Paris and it's so lovely. I'm actually very soon going to be going on my own, but that's okay because I'll go there. I've got friends and I never feel uncomfortable being in Paris by myself, I must admit. It's always kind of nice. You know, there are so many other people traveling on their own. The waiters never raise an eyebrow or could care less that you say, and table boom, silver plate, that never care less. So it's kind of a place that feels so, it, it exudes such a warmth and feels so much like home now that it's got this kind of comfortable sense about it or something. But, yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. I feel quite the same. Yeah, I agree. I think the table for one, it, you know, I think when I first started traveling solo, it made me a little uncomfortable, but now I don't have that feeling at all. Mm. Um, they welcome that. And actually, sometimes when it's a crowded restaurant, you get in quicker because you only have that <laughs> yeah, That's right. And sometimes you actually end up meeting new people because they are there on their own or they see you on their own and say, oh, would you want to join us in our group? And you actually make more friends. It's quite a, a lovely way to experience France. So yeah, you sit so close in France, right, next oh, to each other. You're, yes. like, you're pretty much sitting with another party anyway. I so know. Always- yes. Yeah, it does feel like you're at the same table half the time. So <laughs> your blog on your Olive and Branch site for people that can't experience uh, France like that shares these wonderful ideas, as we were saying earlier, of ways to stay connected to France. You've got books to read, inspirational women to follow, movies that you recommend. How do you keep your connection yourself? What is it that you most like to do to keep your connection going when you're not there? Well, you know, I, I like to follow other women. I like to listen to your podcast. I yeah. love listening to <laughs> French life and people who enjoy that country as much as I do. It really does make me feel like I'm with a, a group of kindred spirits, you know. Mm. And I like to read a lot. I, I've started some different French book clubs I lived in London for a while, and when I moved there, I didn't know anybody really. So I, I started a book club that was based on people who loved France as much as I did. And I had a group of women that got together that was just a lovely monthly meeting of people that just became fast friends. And, mm. you know, we've traveled together to France since we had started that book club. And when I moved to New York City, I did the same thing. I started a French Francophile book club and it was it was great and so that's one way I, I really stay connected with people who have similar interests and similar thoughts about France as, as I do and I actually just started up the book club again today because I've been talking to some friends who wanted to have it come back so I just announced it on my Instagram and, and blog today that Francophile book club is back but it's going to be online so hopefully more people oh, can awesome join. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's it's very um, it's casual. It's not a heavy book club. We yeah. read lots of different types of genres of books, and uh, it's just really so women can mostly women get together and just kind of share a similar experience and, and talk about their times in France or the books that we're reading or about their lives. 
um, with a shared interest. Yeah. It's interesting how you say that you did that when you are in London. We see so many of the Brits on the Escape to the Chateau and the DIY show, yes. obviously. So there's obviously a number of them that love France just as much as you do. And that's something that you talk about on your blog as well. I can see that you're a fan of that just like I am. Would you consider doing a Chateau renovation too, do you think? Well, I think that would be the ideal dream, but mm. I don't know if it's like a reality. You know, it's they're, they're such money pits, <laughs> you know. Um, so, yeah, of course, I would love to live in a chateau and fix it up. But I, I, in reality, I don't think that's really, really in my cards for the future. But that would be fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, it'd be great fun. Although I think the physicality of doing that would be quite extreme. I think I can do those things and when I'm actually doing them, I don't know if I'm actually up to it anymore. I think I've moved beyond a certain level of physical finesse that I I now don't have. When I I like to think I've got it, I don't think I've got it. Exactly. When you start those projects around your house, you're like, imagine doing this in a (laughs) chateau. That's right. (laughs) I spoke to... Uh, I've spoken to a number of shadow owners, but one I spoke to a little while ago, Julia, and she's done the most amazing work in her chateau. And I just look at the things she's achieved and I'm in awe of it. I just think it's amazing. But at the same time, as I'm looking at it, I think, oh, my goodness, it's a bit intimidating when you see how much they can do. At the same time, I adore watching it and I'm so impressed and, yeah, just love watching that. Now, because you're obviously known to have a strong connection to France and you have a really vast knowledge of travelling there, what's some advice you would give to someone heading off to experience France for the first time? Well, I I do kind of go on different uh, Facebook groups that talk about travel to France or Paris and I've listened to people as they talk about their itineraries, you know, when they go to France and it just, to me, I feel like my recommendation is always like take a lot of that out of your day and try to enjoy the day when you're there. Um, slow down a lot. Try to just take in the, those maybe one or two moments of the day rather than trying to pack your day with five museums and mm. different mm. monuments. You know, I think it, it can be a little too much and you kind of miss the essence of France where it's just kind of slow and being able to sit in a cafe for a while and just talk with your traveling companions or just if you're by yourself watch the world go by you know that that to me is a really great way to spend spend the day when you're in France Mm. I like to take it slow I try to plan no more than like one thing a day really like I'm going to go to a market or if I'm going to go to an exhibit that will be like that one thing and maybe have a nice lunch and a long lunch and sit and relax and, Mm. and really just try to soak up the essence of the the area that I'm in yeah I sometimes have found that when I've got far too much in the itinerary, I don't end up doing half of it, you know, because it just ends up being overwhelming. And then there are those little things that just pop up during the day that you you miss because you're racing. You're racing from one bit to the other. I do feel for people, though, that want to cram in more because they think this is the only time I'm ever going to be there and these are the things I want to see. And one of the things that I've suggested to people to do is to just 
if you're with a group of people especially, put something that's a fave for each person into your itinerary. It can be spread over the days that you're there. But make sure that then you kind of group those things together in geographical areas so you're not racing from one side of Paris to the other and saying, oh, we're going to do this this morning and do that in the afternoon and you're starting off at the Eiffel Tower and by the afternoon, you know, you're up at Montmartre. You think, well, they're probably, you know, not really compatible. Do all the things that are in the one area together and then you will find you've got little pockets of time where you can sit and be slow because you're not racing from one side of Paris to the other all the time. And also there are a number of things that you will stumble across that you then think, well, actually, we might just do this now, like a free museum, like the, the Musée de Carnaval, which is free to go into. You might find you want to spend a lot longer there and now go to the new cafe that happens to be there in the gardens too. But if you're racing past it, you would walk right past that in the street and not even know it's there. So taking your time in one geographical area at a time can be a good thing to do, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. I think um, people, they underestimate how long it takes to get from one place to the other. And Mm. you're right. You're spreading it out across the city. You're using a lot of time just going from one point to another. Plus it's, you know, if you're not walking, it can be expensive to, if you're with a group of people, you know, so like try to concentrate it in an arrondissement or, you know, a certain area for maybe the morning and then in the afternoon do something different. But I agree. I think that's a really smart way to approach it. And one other thing I often recommend to brand new Paris travellers, not your return people so much. But those tourist buses, you know, we often look at them and go, oh, you know, they're just for tourists. And you think, oh, hang on, we are tourists. Hello, if you don't live there, you're a tourist. But it's a really great way to get your bearings. So if you sit on it and don't jump on and off, but sit and have the tour and listen to it and go all the way around, you'll then have some kind of idea of getting your bearings of where you want to go and working out how the arrondissements all fit together. And it's a really great way to see the city the first day you're there and then you get a bit of an idea. Or the Batamouche. So you get on the, the boats and they'll take you up the river and you get to see all of those beautiful sights from the river as you're floating along. But again, you start to get your bearings about where things are geographically because, yeah. you know, like you say, it, it takes a long time to get from one, one side to the other. So just immersing yourself in the geography of it to start with and then you can work out where you're going from there after that. Right, agreed. I think the bathroom wish is a great idea. You know, it's a great way to spend some time as well yes. as see some things. I tend to use the metro a lot because I just find it's it's quick. I know a lot of people don't like to use you know, the underground systems, but I find them to be quite simple and easy and pretty efficient. Yeah, I love the Metro. Love, love, love. And I love looking at all the different stations, the way they're decorated. I like people watching on the Metro too because on the different lines you see completely different kinds of people going home from whatever their jobs are and I sit there and I imagine wonder what they did today wonder what their life is and I I love that and there are some people who I've got friends in Paris who tell me don't worry get the metro late at night and what and you know in Australia we just don't do that we don't get public transport after a certain hour by yourself especially it's just we wouldn't consider it safe it probably is incredibly safe but we don't commonly do that whereas in Paris they all do that because they don't have cars. They get from A to B. They finish work late because they start late. There are a lot of people still using the metro until quite late at night, which is a you know a culturally different way of living to what we're used to here in Australia. I don't know what it's like for you in the states. Yeah, it's it's probably similar to the way you know we're kind of we 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 start early and we 
we try to end mm. early, I mm. think. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So do you have any terrific Frenchie tours or experiences that you would recommend? Um, Frenchie tours or experiences. You know, I did um, a while back uh, meeting the French tour. Oh. You can sign up and you can go um, behind the scenes with different French businesses. I, I happen to do one at a bakery. I love to cook and I love to. And so they took you behind um, in Montmartre uh, to a bakery there and you could learn how to make a baguette and you kind of saw them downstairs in the bakery making all those delicious pastries. Oh. So the things like that are really fun. You know, if you can, if you have time to do that, um, I think those are great. I've done a lot of cooking classes in, in France and I've done the Cordon Bleu cooking classes. Those are really fun. And it's just really special to be there. If you're really a child fan, it's kind of, fun to see yeah yeah i did a couple of cooking classes when i was last in paris at the la cuisine paris and that was great too but you know the cordon bleu oh, i think i'd love that they used to do a market tour i don't know if they still do it but they would take you to the market you'd buy your groceries and then you'd come back and you cook oh fabulous i love that yeah. boulangerie idea that's brilliant yeah, the boulangerie is fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It wasn't too long, an it, hour and a half. Oh, only an hour and a half. Well, see, that's perfect. You've still got time yeah. in your day to do other things. Exactly. Time for exactly. wine. That's always important. <laughs> time for wine, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, Pam, there are three questions that I ask in almost every episode of the Little Bells Francophiles podcast. Firstly, Pam, describe for me your perfect French day. You've described a number of things you like to do and taking it slow and people watching, and that all sounds pretty perfect to me. Is there anything that you would add to that, or have you got a a way in which you'd spend a day in France that would be perfection for you? Um, a perfect French day for me would start in a cafe with a, with a couple cups of coffee and then head to the Brocans. I, I love to go to either a flea market or the Brocans that are out or sometimes um, a morning market if there's one in the area just to kind of get provisions for the day. Meeting friends or my husband or family for lunch is, is always in the cards and spending time just taking it slow and enjoying enjoying the time together. That's really how I like to spend my day. I, tr- I do really try to keep it slow and, and be with the people that I, you know, I enjoy spending time with. I do love those brocans. Yes. Well, see. Yeah. Gorgeous. I just have a problem. I can't fit enough in my bag to bring it all home. That's my issue. So what's your fave French food to order as soon as you're back in France or perhaps for your family when you're at home? Yeah, the French food is, uh, to me, is is the greatest part about being in France. And I love the French sauces. And, um, you know, I recently turned vegetarian. So it's been very challenging, to be honest, to go back and be a vegetarian in France. Yes. Like, I, my favorite used to be the, the banquette de veau, the field stew with the, the great sauce. And I, I love that. But now I... I don't really eat that anymore. So it's definitely been a, a little bit challenging now. So I'm trying to find certain places that get that same feeling that you're eating a rich, decadent meal. But, yeah. But- I, I have heard that from vegetarians before, that they find it a challenge. But I know that they're now getting better in some parts of France and I even noticed the last time that I was there that a number of dishes on menus had a V next to them. I mean, of course, there are a number of ingredients that are used in so much French cooking, such as spinach and mushrooms and onion and, you know, eggs. But 
But I'm sure there's still a bit of a cultural shift that needs to occur for vegetarians to become more commonplace everywhere in Paris. It's just, you know, I've definitely tried out some new restaurants that, you know, that are vegetarian when I've been in Paris. So that's been really fun, actually. For me, it's it's amazing, like, when I find something that hits the boxes. It's definitely different. It's a different experience for me when I go back now. Going to a brasserie is very different. Mostly meat. Yeah, it is hard to find something that's not meat. I must admit, I don't eat a lot of meat, generally speaking. But when I'm in France, oh, It's just every meal is meat, 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 meat all the time, everything. So, yes, it will be a challenge. But, you know, pastry is vegetarian, so there you go. That's a start. Yeah, good there. So the third question that I always ask on the Little Bells Frankophiles podcast is, do you have a fave French song or some French music that you listen to? Yeah, so I knew you were going to ask me this question. So, you know, when I I had my store – um, I used to play French music a lot, but I don't. I don't often listen to French music. So the mu- French music that I have that I, that I keep on my playlist is from like you know two thousand six, two thousand seven, when I spent a lot of time there. When we had our house there, when my kids were there, and every year we would buy like the top forty pop CD at the time. So we had this collection of songs, and one that popped up in, in my head was the Christophe Willem song Jacadi. And um, his music, his voice reminds me of uh, George Michael. Ah. And and just, it just reminds me of the time I spent there with my children when I listened to to his music. So that's that's who I would. Um, oh, well, listen. we will add that to the Spotify playlist. I actually have um, a number of songs that I listen to just myself. I think I should just pop those into the Little Bells Spotify playlist as well. But we're getting quite a number of, of songs now, which is great. So I will add that one. Christophe Willem. Jacques D. Awesome. Love it. We will add that to the playlist. That's wonderful. Thank you. And I love George Michael, so if he's anything like that, you know. It reminds me of. Reminds you. Okay. Well, we won't. I won't put the pressure on to say it's like it, but (laughs) I know that now when I'm listening to it, I will think of George Michael. (laughs) You've said that, which is great. (laughs) Well, merci beaucoup for spending this time with us today, Pam, and sharing your wonderful French story with us all. I'm going to really enjoy now getting back into your website and immersing myself in all that Olive and Branch has to offer as well. Well, thanks, and I, I would love to extend um, a discount to your to your listeners and your followers. Oh. Um, if they could just type in the word Lulabelle and it would give them 15% off their order. So, And if there's really? anybody who like to ship to Australia just send me a email and we can arrange that we can arrange the shipping for you. oh Pam you are just the ants pants that is wonderful oh people will love that so Luna Bell's listeners if you go to the olive and branch website and find some little morsels of Frenchness that you love then you can put in the code Lulabelle and Pam will take 15% off your order. So generous of you, Pam. I feel like I have actually had a little time away from the regular hustle and bustle of my life in Australia and uh, floated off to France with you momentarily. It's been quite lovely. Thank you so much for having, for having me. It's been, it's been a real pleasure. 
Alors, c'est tout et c'est la fin aujourd'hui. That is all for another Ludabelle's Francophiles episode. I hope you're enjoying being transported to France via our podcast chats with some brilliant guests like Pam and their French stories. To be notified when new episodes are released, subscribe on your favourite podcast platform or follow Ludabelle's Francophiles on Insta. That's where you'll also find lots of my personal French photos as well as some from our Ludabelle's Francophiles guests. You can now also subscribe to my YouTube channel, The Francophile Fix, where I post little movies and clips to keep your Frenchy vibes going. For all of the links from today's chat, including the links for Pam's business, Olive and Branch, and that beautifully generous discount for Ludabelle's listeners, as well as her fave music she just mentioned, and we'll find, I think, a couple of vegetarian French recipes to pop on there as well for today. Head to the Ludabelle's Francophiles website to blog post number 75. My website link is in the podcast show notes for today's episode. And then come and join me next time on the Ludabelle's Francophiles and together we can stay connected to one of our fave destinations, France. Au revoir and merci encore, Pam. Au revoir. Thank you. Thank you so much. Au revoir de moi, Louise Prichard, bonne journée et à bientôt mes amis.